passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live from Toronto. It's Saturday night. I'm John Pollock, and he is Wei Ting. Some four hours after Night of Champions concluded. We are here. Yeah. Live on a Saturday night. I'm barely alive uh, on the Saturday night. Ooh. Yeah. How, what, what's the latest on your illness? Uh, my illness is, is fine. My daughter, not so lucky. It's, uh, I've been up almost consistently since 3 in the morning. Oh. And this, this has been the longest day of what was not supposed to be a lengthy day in the least and was juggling a lot that 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 was my day my my plan was my my wife was going to visit like family today i was going to take our kids Mm -hmm. and i was just going to stay home and work today and then at three in the morning my daughter woke up and was just throwing up and throwing up and throwing up so we're up and we're taking care of her we're thinking maybe she just ate something and then boom she throws up again and then again and we were up for like two hours with her and i had that like kind of go back to sleep where i didn't really feel like i went back to sleep Mm -hmm. so i woke up and was just like oh great there's a long day ahead of me i could just feel it at that point and so my daughter's sick she could not go out to uh, go see family and thus i i watched her as I went back and forth between tending to her and watching this pay-per-view, which did provide me several lessons. Number one, I don't know if I am ever going to sit down for one of these WWE shows and watch it start to finish in real time. There is no reason you need more than two hours to get through one of these three hour shows. None, none at all. Mm -hmm. It is so easy to catch up and that's on regular speed and watching every match, every promo, and you just cut out the video packages and you will you will have this done. Two hours might be on the higher end of that. So that was uh, that was great. But um, yeah, my my head is just in another planet at this point. So way is going to uh, carry the show. That's essentially what I'm stating off of the top. I'm really sorry to hear that. How's a uh, little Evie feeling right now? She's uh, she's doing OK. She's she's not herself today. She's just like very uh, out of it. She's not hungry. She's, uh, you know what it is? Like what's causing? I don't know. It could just be the flu. It could just be the flu. So Mm. I I don't know what the, uh, the cause of it is, but yeah, she was, uh, we thought she was maybe just through, it was like an overnight thing, but then Mm. it it resurfaced during the day. So anyway, she's just kind of very lethargic today. So I I feel bad for her. It's, it's, it's difficult when it's like a two-year-old, they can't even communicate to you what they're feeling and what's, Mm. what the problem is. Cause you, you want to help, but they, you got to just try and uh, read them to to see what the issue is. As as, as uh, has Oscar had any kind of uh, like sickness, like a like a flu or even a cold? Have you guys gone through that yet? Not yet, thankfully. Um, but pa- Pauline does have one right now, so we're you know we're we're almost kind of expecting him to catch something. 
but thankfully not yet. Well, I I would say then don't worry about it, but it, the illnesses will come and then just consistently mm. it's uh, nonstop. But anyway, mm. that's uh, that, that's for another day. We have Night of Champions to discuss tonight. And off the top, I do want to uh, alert people if they did not get a chance to yet to hear uh, myself and Brandon Thurston with Kareem Zidane from Friday. Yeah. That interview was yesterday. Yeah. (laughs) I'll take your word for it. That was yesterday. Mm -hmm. That does not feel like yesterday, but it was yesterday. Um, Chatting about uh, this whole deal with uh, the WWE and Saudi Arabia. And I I, I don't know how much people want to necessarily um, have us like delving into this on this show specific. I I think anyone listening to these shows for uh, over a period of time uh, knows how way and I have approached these shows. And I really don't always feel comfortable just sitting down and reviewing this like a typical wrestling show. I've never viewed these as typical wrestling shows. And I think that everyone should understand that while at the same time, um, not uh, having that reflect poorly on these fans that you could not help, but we're having the time of their lives watching this show. And you can, you can have um, different, um, reactions and opinions of shows like this that are not so binary as just one thing is good one thing is bad i think you can multitask and understand that the reason these shows are happening is because wwe is in business with with a government that many people have a lot of moral issues with and at the same time these are shows that these fans are i am sure like star for this professional wrestling it was a super hot crowd and you can see in the execution of it, why these shows can can work for what the ultimate goal is. And if you are someone that is only exposed to Saudi Arabia through these two shows, you can understand how people walk away from it as leaving with a very positive image. But I think it's also at the same time, use these shows to learn more, to, to discover, form your own opinions a- as well. And I think it is a a door that is open for you to investigate, to discover no different than I think how you and I have uh, kind of navigated these over the five years or so. Well, I I personally think um, if you're going to be a fan of something, you can really kind of choose to be how deep of a fan you want to be. I mean, you know, we all start off watching wrestling, not knowing that it was predetermined. And you can enjoy wrestling that way. It's completely valid. You can go as deep down into the iceberg as you want. But if you really like want to understand professional wrestling, you have to know the business of it. And this is a major business business play. Um, and it's a political play as well. And 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 you know, like Kareem said in the interview, we're not asking, he's not asking people to, you know, stop watching these shows we he's like we're all just kind of trying to help people understand why these shows are taking place what these shows are being done principally for um there are several other aspects that go into it as well i'm sure we'll discuss throughout the course of this interview that are completely beneficial and i think we have to be very careful because yeah a lot of the arguments do maybe verge you know into xenophobia um, and it's important for us to maybe have those dis- discussions, you know, to talk about like how we can when we should be critical um, and when when the criticism may, might fall too much into into xenophobia. And I think Kareem d- did a great job of, you know, uh, t- discussing his thoughts on, on that. Um, but what we're all looking for, at least, you know, in my fandom of professional wrestling is just a deeper understanding of how all this stuff works. And I think it requires these sort of conversations to get there. 
yeah, I think that these are the shows that I just, I, I think that it is, it is the goal of these shows that they are digested as normal, regular shows. And you can see the, the value when it is not, WWE is never in a position where they have to defend their stance doing these shows. It is their audience, if nothing else, that does that for them. Um, those that, you know, feel that, that kind of pushback and that sort of, you know, you can, you can look at this like this is, you can certainly applaud the fact that WWE brings their product to a part of the world that otherwise would not get it. And if this deal was not in place, would they be doing that same thing? Would they be bringing, forget the the level of this show. Would, would Saudi Arabia, would Jeddah or Riyadh be a one once a year stop for them for a live event or a tour without this deal with the government of Saudi Arabia? Probably not. Um, not to this extent, not to this frequency, and um, not to this sort of a level of, I think, pop and circumstance. You can say the same thing about Puerto Rico and Backlash, you know, um, and, and wherever else they might be, you know, garnering heavy site fees for, for their appearances. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I don't think they're using, like, Puerto Rico as a, like, we are invoking change in the world by going to Puerto Rico, whereas with... That's their defense for, for against the criticisms. You know, yes, yeah. yes. One like, of them is that look at look at the change that we, you you cannot invoke change by not taking part. Um, that that has been. Uh, but know, it, but but the Puerto Rico shows are very much like tourism sort of um, advertisements as well. Yes, they they are. Um, mm. I I I see differences though in that what, what mm. Puerto Rico is getting out of it versus what Saudi Arabia is trying to um, use in yeah. terms of just an overall uh, message and viewpoint that they are sending out. So listen, it, if you are someone that just watch the, watches these shows and you enjoy them, like no one is here to cast aspersions on mm-hmm. like what on or to, how to police fandom at, at all. All I'm saying is that I'm approaching it fr- from this way. And I think that um, I would I would feel kind of empty to just be turning off that whole element of this and essentially just re- reviewing this in the same vein as we do any other show. And mm-hmm. if that's annoying for people twice a year, that's fine. I'm, I'm okay with that criticism to receive myself and more than welcome it to be quite honest for people with uh, differing viewpoints. But I would encourage people to uh, li- listen to Kareem Zidane, who I think is very well-read, well-studied on, on this and does it on a 24 seven basis and is somebody that I very much would would lean on for insight into Saudi Arabia and uh, many other um you know elements of of this kind of subject matter that he covers uh, routinely. Yes, absolutely. Well, on that note, we will uh, get into the show itself that uh was airing this afternoon from the Jeddah Superdome in Saudi Arabia and we opened up with a video voiced by Triple H on becoming a new world heavyweight champion. It means uh opening up the card and uh, kicking things off. That's what uh, a world champion does. And our announcers are Michael Cole and Corey Graves. And Michael Cole gives us a bit more insight into the design of this world heavyweight championship. It's an homage to the winged Eagle championship as well. A tribute to Bruno San Martino and his title. And of course the McMahon family crest part of this championship. Yeah, uh, a lot of detail. I mean, they 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 have these sort of a uh, uh, AR um, sort of uh, entrances that uh, feature like close ups of some of the actual designs of the belt. Um, 
And these were sort of like elements that we hadn't known before. So what is it? The eagle on the belt is in tribute to the winged eagle. You had the McMahon family crest, which I believe are like lions. Um, I think some- it's just uh, the outline of Vince McMahon on muscle and fitness. Oh, okay. That would make for quite the belt too. Yeah. And then I believe a crown to pay homage to Bruno. So that's all really kind of cool to hear. And it's it certainly calls to a different philosophy that Apollo Vec has on champ- champ- championship belts that Vince McMahon never did. You know, I like with Vince's designs, I mean, it's just like, hey, here's a logo. We're not even going to really talk about the design of it. It's just like, here it is. Accept it. But you've seen it. Did, did Vince know he had a family crest before this title? I, I, maybe the muscle and fitness is uh, as much of a family crest for him as, uh, you know, these these lines might be. But, you know, you've seen Levesque, you know, taste in championships through like the NXT UK championship, for instance, and, um, you know, belts that are very much more steeped, I would say, um, in sort of traditional design. And, and something like this tells you that a lot of thought went into it. Seth Rollins and AJ Styles is the opener to determine the world heavyweight champion. And there's no OC out with AJ Styles. He is here solo. And Seth comes out. And, man, this audience, they were just singing and treating Seth like among the biggest stars on the show. You could probably say maybe as high as number two on this show. Um, I, I, I Maybe. Yeah. I mean, um, what was number one to you? I thought Sami Zayn was number one on this Sammy show. Sami was one. Okay. I, I, I think Cody and Seth would be number two in in that range, however you want to uh, slot them. But, I mean, sure. he was super over here coming out, and it was just, I mean, so evidently this guy's time. And uh, they mentioned this is the working man's championship, not to be confused with our other championship where it's... Uh, the sitting man's championship. The, the, the sitting man's championship, the limited dates uh, championship. <laughs> and Cole and Graves subtly note that if AJ wins this, then he's going to Raw. Mm-hmm. One and only time we ever heard that explanation in this whole lead up, which, I mean, goes to show you how little people care because that wasn't even some big question that was being asked either of the, the logistics of such. But there, there is what would have happened, everyone. AJ would have gone to Raw. They really, I think, could have played a whole lot more with it. Um, like, you know, they should have, in order to just, just, just at least help us to s- suspend our disbelief a little bit more, have, like, the OC talk to AJ and be like, hey, man, what's, what's going to happen? Like, what, what are you doing? If you're winning this, now I got to work would break Mondays. up the team if you won. Well, I think the team would move with them, right? Wouldn't they? Yeah. Anyway, these are all angles that, like, a realistic sport would have probably, like, dove into or at least made mention of a little bit more. Uh, but I think so much of this build was very much like it's it was all entirely weighted onto Seth Rollins and AJ was all but an afterthought. So I don't think anybody bought the other end anyway. Well, this line, Cole notes that Seth Rollins grew up idolizing AJ Styles. It was like, could you age this man any more than a 45 year old Allen? Is it true, though? He Come was on, like- I mean, he was he was like Rollins was like a big, you know big fan of like that kind of um, era of Mm. independent wrestling. I don't know if he was idolizing AJ Styles, but he was like when he had their match together, the one they showed the clip of, I mean, Seth was 19 at that time and that's, that was 06. So, I mean, AJ's like, you know, I I don't think this guy was watching him in like a NWA wild side, but by 02, 03, when Seth is in his teens and Styles is breaking out in TNA, I'm sure he was watching the guy and, Following. You can idolize people at, at any age. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm just saying, like, it's not um it's it's true. It up too. It just yeah. to me, this line, it really aged 
AJ by yeah, you right. you don't look at these two as generation uh, a generation apart but I mean they are nine years uh, apart from one another and they just fed off the crowd for the first few minutes very hot singing for AJ and this it, it was to me like um a really like well done professional wrestling match with with, with these two and uh, a super hot crowd and they just they slowly like escalated things but I would never say they got into um like reckless territory or anything that you would be looking at as um you know mind blowing uh, at the at the same rate but the audience was responding as such we saw uh, AJT's a super styles clash off the turnbuckle that was countered and Rollins would hit a reverse bloody sunday on AJ for a two count missed with a phoenix splash and then AJ hit a brainbuster on the edge and Rollins does a dive to the floor and tweaks his knee after landing so AJ would apply the calf crusher working on the knee Rollins gets out some kawada kicks sidesteps the pele kick and lands an insiguri and then goes and he's up for the stomp and he comes down and he stomps the hand of AJ. And this caught the announcers off guard. And I was just thinking, okay, this is, this is going to make sense by the, mm-hmm. the end of it. And I was going to think that they were going to tell the story that it impacts his ability to do the phenomenal forearm and do mm-hmm. the springboard. But I didn't really feel they, they hit on that at all. This felt like just a, it just felt like a weird spot that didn't, go beyond anything um agreed yeah it, it felt and, and, he, and he did go for the phenomenal form and did like he elevated himself but then got hit by a super kick so it did not affect that it felt unusual enough that you, you would think that it would would have played a bigger part in at, at the at the end of the match but um i think it just seemed to confuse everybody by the end it could have been a case of aj was supposed to get out of the way and he just didn't want to hit yeah. the guy because that was the finish of the actual match would be the stomp. Hmm. So uh, Styles Clash is blocked. He hits his Pele, but then Styles. It's Styles that hits the pedigree, and Seth kicks out as uh, Uncle Paul's watching backstage with a big grin. Phenomenal Forum gets stopped with the super kick, and then Rollins goes for the stomp, but his knee buckles, and the calf crusher, he rolls through to avoid it and attempts to hit another pedigree on Styles and then hits the stomp onto the head, pinning AJ in 20 minutes and 39 seconds. Seth Rollins becomes the world heavyweight champion out of left Damn. field. Mm. Yes. Good match. You know, I think as fluid, as technically sound as you would expect from these two, who are arguably um, the two best, maybe in-ring performers in, in the entire company. But um, I thought they did a good job of creating this like hard fought sort of like double baby face back and forth that like kind of portrayed Seth as the bigger underdog with that knee injury throughout. But I feel like they stopped short of like paying everything that they set up off in a satisfying way to the standard that I think I expected from these two. You know, I thought they would build a bit more drama towards the finish using the knee injury or maybe even using the hand. What we instead got for a finish was kind of straightforward. Um, I thought they took a little bit bit of time to get to a climax essentially that maybe wasn't as big as I was hoping for. Yeah. Again, like I, I would be really hard pressed to find any like strong criticism of the match, I guess is just looking at it. Like this is not a case of this match, not getting to, to second gear, maybe even third gear. But if you were looking for that, ultra high level for a big championship match that I think it, it did not reach, but it was, I I thought it was like a really good match, but it wasn't the match of the show for me. And I think everyone going in expected this to be a blow away match of the night, if not above that level. Yeah. I think that's a valid criticism when you're looking at 
who is on the who's in the match. You know, you're not just expecting a good match. You're expecting expecting something exceptional. You know, for a match that I think a lot of people would have wanted to see as a main event, this did not feel like a main event caliber type of match. And I wouldn't even blame it on the maybe one-sided nature going into this because this audience bought into both these guys. It was not a case of this crowd was just sitting on their hands knowing Rollins was going to win. Like, they were hot for the whole thing, so I can't even use that as uh, some kind uh, of argument. But uh, again, I I thought it was like a very good match. Um, But I would say on on the show, it would be at best number two and maybe even third for for people, depending on uh, your, your sorting. So they, you know, really hammered home the idea that this is the anti-Roman Reigns championship. You know, change is coming, was what Cole said, you know, the moment Seth Rollins won. And commentary also throughout the match talked about how Seth's focus might have been taken away from AJ because he's been focusing so much on talking about Roman Reigns and how he's going to become a different champion than Roman Reigns. So they're still very clearly planting the seeds for an eventual Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns match. And, you know, we just have to ask where that could possibly take place, where they might do champion versus champion. And how would they book themselves out of a finish like that? Maybe they would do what they did on the stardom pay-per-view today, where uh, I thought they were going to go the time limit with Tam Nakano and Mina Shirakawa, but Tam Nakano won both belts. Yeah, Roman three belts. I mean, I did find it conflicting. I understand the story they're doing, and certainly that there's a collision down the road, pardon the pun, with Reigns and Rollins, but... On this show where they were so heavy on change is coming, this is the working man's title, on the same day we're celebrating this guy's thousand-day reign, it almost as though puts this, like, what's the big deal? This guy never wrestles. That's our whole point. It's like, but we're celebrating how long he's had this title. And to me, it's, it's just these this you know, you, you know it's a self-imposed celebration, right? You know, like that That at least in storyline is, is how it's being portrayed. No, yeah. it's the, it, the company was putting this over like all day and on the broadcast. Like it's, a, it's his 1,000th day as champion. Like this is a significant feat that he has reached. And that's fine. Right. It's just but, we're, we're also stating that it's like almost this asterisk. Like, yeah, of course it's this long because he never wrestles. It's a it's a, what's so, the big deal? I mean, he's a heel, you know, is the answer. And, uh, you know, ultimately, what whatever benefits. But it's true. It's true that he's had this thousand day reign. It's not as though it's like some. Uh, he's been holding this belt hostage for a thousand days is another way you can look at it. Right. I and guess. that's what Seth is here to solve. Yeah, I I don't know if the audience necessarily views it as such. Do you think that that is the case? Do you feel that there is this holding it hostage? Yes, some some people do. Yeah, I think a lot of people are 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 tired of Roman holding all the championships and rarely defending them. But I mean, besides Jermaine, sure, all you have to do is just look at the business, and you you can really take away a lot of those complaints. Triple H presented the title to Rollins. He got his fireworks and pyro display. And then there was an ad for Money in the Bank. So that is July 1st with a 3 p.m. Eastern start time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got to get used to these um, Saturday Saturday evening. afternoons. Yeah, I thought I was all set today. Cody Rhodes is being fit for a cast in the back ahead of his match with Brock. And we had a throwback to the takeover days with cameos in the crowd of people who were sent over to Saudi Arabia to hang out all week, including the Street Profits, and we would see more. Um, this reminded me of uh, Takeover Brooklyn 2 in August of 2016. Wow, why were you suddenly reminded of that particular show? Because that will be the subject of Rewind Away this Thursday, Samoa Joe versus Shinsuke Nakamura, Bailey versus Asuka, and the revival against DIY. Wow, that sounds great. That sounds really interesting. Where can I check that out? 
postwrestlingcafe.com, $6 gets you in the door. And this week, we will have four patron shows for cafe members. Really? Four. Wow. What are they? We have Rewind Away. We have Rewind to SmackDown. Yeah. And then we have uh, New Japan's uh, Dominion card with Karen Peterson and Bruce Lord. And number four is going to be a brand new show that we are launching Wednesday nights immediately following Rewind to Dynamite, where for the duration of Dark Side of the Ring, season four, Way and I uh, will continue for cafe members Wednesday nights uh, with a review of Chris and Tammy this Wednesday. We will uh, watch the episode so you can listen to Rewind to Dynamite and watch it like usual. And then as soon as we're done the Dynamite review, jump on over and continue with us on the cafe uh, throughout Dark Side of the Ring season four. That sounds fantastic. Yes. All right. Let's get back to Night of Champions. The card is we uh, we are reviewing Trish Stratus against Becky Lynch. And Trish comes out. She's in this black and pink outfit with Thank You Trish written on the back while the bride is being played by Becky Lynch. Definitely yeah. of the women's outfits. Uh, once again, Becky Lynch gets the nod for me of the six. Becky wins for sure. Um, looking great here. As uh, This could be an awesome Halloween costume. Seriously, that they could market, I feel. Uh, it is. It's been a Halloween costume for decades at this point. But a WWE branded one. Do you think that would that be like well, what's on, the difference though? Like, like it's this she's put all her patches on it now. It's like man of the masses, and but it's the original all these, like, Becky patches. So on the it. one from Kill Bill does have patches. It's it's just a parody of that. Yes, I'm saying a WWE version of this. So you, you're just saying a, like they should market the same thing as the Kill Bill thing, but with Becky instead of the bride's name. Yes, why not? Um, they could. Yeah, I guess they could. I mean. We do it. We sell parody shirts. We change it. Like, look at our forbidden poor logo. I'm waiting for a cease and desist right now. So, sure, why not? We we always are looking forward to those. This is Trisha's first singles match since 2019 at SummerSlam, and they start over. I I can't count how many people were thrown into steps on this show, but it felt like a lot of them. And there was a bit of a rough looking tornado DDT where uh, uh, Becky came off the turnbuckle, and then Trish started fish hooking her, and then is like taking Becky's hair out of her fingers as she is like ripping away at her. Uh, Then we see this spot where Trish goes for her regular like handstand into the corner, into the Rana. But Becky like grabs the leg and the announcers were calling it like she was blocking it. And it looked like she was blocking it. But then she completed it and it just threw them off. It looks so awkward. And then... Like two minutes later, they did the they did the spot where they blocked it, and I'm wondering if they maybe just had their. Uh, their I think it looked like her head hand- crossed. Well, she completed the stratosphere. That's the name of the move. I think it just looked like maybe Trisha's handstand was off balance, and Becky just had to reposition her to to actually get in the proper position. Trish went for the sharpshooter, uh, but it was blocked, and then. Uh, this next one, that's where the it does get blocked. And Becky went to a Boston Crab. And this was like the safest transition to this move because usually I just gasp when the guy applies the hold and Jericho. Like jumps. Uh, Jericho's done it. And I feel I've seen it uh, elsewhere too. But nonetheless, it was, um, yeah, just uh, I didn't worry about someone breaking their neck as they uh, were in the hold and coming off the turnbuckle. Uh, but Trish reaches the rope. Becky then breaks the count and rolls into the ring and gets hit with a chick kick. 
Trish is grabbing her by the head and taunting her. And then on the third time, Trish gets locked into the disarmor, but Trish grabs onto the hair to break free. And then there's a manhandle slam. Trish gets her foot on the rope and Trish crawls to the floor and goes underneath the ring. Becky pulls her out. And as Trish goes into the ring, the referee is distracted with her when Zoe Stark comes out from underneath the ring and hits Becky with the Z360 and rolls Becky into the ring where she is hit with Stratisfaction and giving Trish the win in 14 minutes and 52 seconds as Trish and Zoe Stark are paired together and leave together to the back. Mm-hmm. I thought this match turned out well, you know, um, maybe compared to like, you know, the first match we saw tonight, not as technically proficient, even compared to uh, Oscar versus Belair, not as technically proficient, but I thought Trish played a great heel here i thought she did a really good job antagonizing taunting the crowd taunting becky everything worked well enough for them to convey their personalities and story i thought they there were some pretty ambitious sequences here you know uh Mm -hmm. there's this really cool head scissors takeover from trish to becky through the ropes that she um she almost like skinned the cat but like through the bottom ropes in order order to deliver this really cool head scissors um that safer version of like the stratosphere counter into the boston crab and then this i think i thought a really nicely designed chick kick off of that can of tease that to me was very effective as well um let's also remember this was a very substantial match for somebody who hadn't had a singles match in four years and somebody who hadn't wrestled as a heel in 20 years so i think we have to give trish stratus a whole lot of credit for that um but i was happiest to see the introduction of zoe stark into this mm-hmm. program you know you're like a nostalgia act is ultimately hollow if if without like an eye to the future and i think putting putting zoe stark here not only benefits her not only benefits the future of the division i mean it helps trish stratus as well trish it extends has- this program that you and i were talking about like if you wanted to get becky and trish to SummerSlam, you could do that now with zoe stark that benefits from this in the interim that becky can work with zoe stark on the next pay-per-view and again i'm i've been very impressed with the call-up so far for nxt like th- there's there's the odd ones that you can look at like an odyssey jones but by and large Many of the people that they have called up have come up with plans with legitimate pushes, whether you're talking about J.D. McDonough being teased for Judgment Day, how pretty deadly have been utilized so far. Uh, and I can go on, but it mm-hmm. does feel as though they have. It's not just filling up spots. And had she not been injured, I'm sure Indy Hartwell would have had something maybe more more of substance uh, as well. But I really like this pairing with Zoe Stark. And, and she can immediately work with Becky and she's not going to be out of her depth. Yeah, Zoe gets to share stage with the most famous woman in the entire company, uh, you know, helps, like you said, extend the life, build this to another rematch between uh, Trish and, and Becky. I hope like Zoe isn't just, you know, somebody that that is going to take a lot of losses and get, you know, gets embarrassed in all the TV segments. I hope she comes out of this like feeling like the person that we should all be watching uh, because I don't assume Trish will be like, you know, working forever, but Zoe probably will be here for a long, long time, hopefully. So I thought it was good stuff and added life to the program. Yeah. I, I like the match overall. I think that they, it was, you know, as you mentioned, I thought they had like, several like ambitious ideas for the match and this was also you could see match number one in in the program as well i'm certain that we get at least one more between trish and becky and and maybe you space it out a bit if this is going to be a a summer long program that they have becky had her nose busted open which you know it was a i mean unintentional of course but like a great callback to her most famous uh incident with nia jackson part of the promo even so the promos coming out of this i'm looking to be really good both from becky's end she got that 
like it did not look that bad. But then she posted this photo on Instagram and it looked like she had been hit with a sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. This this look right. of her, I was like, I watched this match. It did not look as though uh, this. Even was if it was like a little nosebleed, I'm sure. Like, I mean, it's money, right, on your face. You know, Becky has made a career off of the last. It felt like she had a nosebleed, and she like blew her nose, and it just exploded yeah. over her face. And hey, yeah, you, you figure out what what works for maximum impact. For that a photo. great visual for this feud. Yeah. Gunther and Mustafa Ali was next for the Intercontinental Championship. And this was this was our big match that we were curious about how how it would go, not in terms of how, who would who would win, but in terms of how much would Ali get in this. And I would say that this went above what I was expecting. I thought that this was more than Zelina Vega got in Puerto Rico. I think that um, this went way above. Did you skip this video, too? Um, I had seen it already, the uh, oh, okay. kind of the, the video blog. But if you want to describe it, this was him like dur- during the week um, be- being taken uh, around for yeah. uh, like a religious ceremony. So, I mean, I, when when they put Mustafa Ali in this position after winning the Battle Royal, I think everybody was perplexed. You know, how, how would a guy from the undercard who is kind of like playing a comedic positive heel character suddenly transition be- and be put into this sort of pay-per-view spotlight in the singles match as a baby face? And. I had suspected that like maybe they wanted like a Muslim star. And I, I really do feel like that was probably the intent, you know, by, by judging by the result of this, because before the match occurred, they played the same video vlog that John was talking about that they released where you had uh, Ali travel to Mecca to in, in perform. In his 205 live tracksuit. Oh yes, absolutely. Travel to Mecca to perform Umrah. So please uh, forgive my ignorance. I know very little about some of these traditions, but this video was just essentially Ali talking about what a special moment this was for him. You know, as somebody uh, 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 of his religion and his faith, to be able to travel to Mecca to be able to do something like this during. He described. It, he says it was during Ramadan. I, I'm not exactly like because I thought like. I, I, any anyway, please please enlighten me, uh, every anybody who who might know about, about the traditions a bit more. But he's he's like just shown kind of like taking part in this incredibly powerful experience, talk talking about brotherhood and belonging, well, how he didn't feel like an outsider. Um, and he, there was one part where I definitely like that definitely gave me pause. And I don't know how closely you watch this, but like there was a moment here where he's he like had to basically stop and thank the GEA, the um, General uh, Entertainment Authority, for hosting a great dinner and a great conversation. And then they show, like, the GEA's, like, you know, logo. Like, this part felt definitely um, out of place and somewhat necessary to the overall story of it and more so came across like a, here's a shout-out to our sponsor, you know, type of thing. Um, But this more than set it up for, like, this huge baby face you know um sort of um a st- role uh, uh being able to represent much of the people in in this entire audience um against gunther so it was way more than i expected and obviously if you're watching the tv you wouldn't have gotten any of this you know this is like a very much localized sort of push that they gave to ali for tonight well, Ali comes out and he is a, a major baby face to this audience. And Gunther starts lighting him up with chops. He applied a Boston Crab, moves to an STF, and then Ali fights back. And he goes for a sunset bomb to Gunther and then climbs back up, hits the 450 splash for a near fall, which was, I would say, his big moment in, in the match that he just got that big uh, near fall. There's a tornado DDT that gets blocked and Gunther starts laying him up with big lariats. 
He yells that Ali doesn't belong. And Ali then blocks the powerbomb, super kicks him, and hits a tornado DDT, but misses the 450, which sets up the shotgun drop kick and powerbomb by Gunther to retain in eight minutes and 33 seconds. But I would say of what I expected, this overachieved in terms of um like I w- I was thinking somewhere in the middle of this and our SmackDown women's title match was what we were gonna get with, with this match. So mm-hmm. uh, it you built up to one near fall for the guy that has been a punchline on television for the last six months. So I think that is, that that is a win for this match. And th- there was nothing wrong with this match. I would say this was uh, slightly above the level you would expect uh, if this was uh, like a big match on raw or something like that. Like it was, it was yeah. a really like good eight minute match where both got their offense. Gunther looked very strong and Ali got a big hope spot in the middle. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought the match was really excellent, actually, for what it was. You know, within this 20-minute segment, you kind of, like, what took Ali from being this sort of, like, backstage laughingstock. Uh, and I thought you did a great job of portraying him as a babyface representing so many people, delivering, I would say, a pretty competitive, like, spurts, at least, you know, um, to elicit some pretty decent reactions, making a pretty compelling, what was this, John? Like, seven? Eight and a half. Uh, Eight and a half. Yeah, I thought it was pretty successful, especially considering the low stock that Ali was was in prior to this. He made Gunther look awesome with his selling, built up to some good comebacks. Um, and, and by the way, Derek Crawford here is uh, letting me know that that video of Ali was from last month. So that's why he was um, talking about being there for Ramadan. Uh, OK, so thank you for that. Um, you know, I, I would really love for this version of Ali to continue, you know, in the WWE. Like he's always talked about in interviews, wanting to represent people of his background without necessarily like um i don't know like being a heel or or doing something anything like anything completely like stereotypical and i thought tonight was a great representation of the type of person the the type of baby face he should be um they seemingly don't have much mm, uh sort of um like even like with Mansoor, the way that they portrayed him on these shows in the past, that's never carried over to, you know, the the uh, uh, this this side of, of, of the ocean. And I don't see a reason why you don't need to, because there are people that could use this sort of representation from somebody like Ali on this side of the world as well. It also tells you how fast they could take someone in just a silly role and just mm-hmm. snap their fingers. And like they could have put M- M- Mansoor in this role and win that battle royal, too. And yeah. he would have been received the same way in, in this, too. LA Knight is shown in the audience. He was, this had to be the most over guy on a pay-per-view that wasn't booked on a pay-per-view this week. Yes, very much so. I mean, he's, he's got the thing where like the crowd is really behind him and, and he's uh, definitely exceeding beyond his push. And I have to think at this point, the company recognizes that for, for the, just the, the reaction that he got at that press conference, mm-hmm. um, I almost would have just like put him out there. Like, don't even, you don't even have to broadcast it, but I would have just put him out for like the pre-show match. And I know they don't like to do kickoff matches anymore, but just do like a legit dark match for the crowd. Like that would be a cool opener for them to, I mean, they, they had more than enough extra people over here. Um, Cause to me that like, that is, I mean, it was the same thing for months where we were hearing these reactions that this guy had been getting at, uh, at house shows. And I, I don't know if they they will necessarily jump on this one, but um, yeah, he's the guy's a terrific promo and the audience is into him. Bianca Belair and Oscar for the raw women's championship on SmackDown. That's how I'm going to identify it from now on. So first of all, I thought that this match was, um, 
I felt the 15 minutes uh, of this match. I might have been a little uh, lower well, because on the match. crowd was completely dead for it. That's they were not into this. It was a big drop from from the previous match. And and I don't know if necessarily that was just that they were not uh, into the characters or felt that this was uh, not a compelling challenger. They certainly gave you um, a meaningful ending to this. But let's let's get into it first. And it's. Um, Oscar being knocked off the floor with a with a handspring, and then Oscar yanks her by the hair, and this was her offense for ninety percent of the match, grabbing Bianca by the hair, and this referee having really no inclination to stop her from grabbing this hair throughout the whole the whole match. It was constant. So Oscar then slips out of the punches, grabs her by the braid, and pulls her down, and is delivering her uh, delivering kicks. Goes to the Oscar lock, but then Belair rolls on top of her, tries for a glam slam. They pick up the pace at this point, and then Oscar drags her by the hair to the floor. But this time, Belair turns it around and sends Oscar into the steps. The referee separates them in the corner, and Belair avoids the mist out of the mouth of Oscar. So this felt like um, last week on SmackDown where. The mist had no impact on Bel Air. So my thought was it's going to be a one week delay until we hear that her eyes are burning from this mist mist. Oh, it's a slow release mist. It's the experimental mist. Hmm. So she lifts her up for the KOD and Oscar counters to the arm bar, but Bel Air slams herself free. And then as Oscar is over by the rope, she sprays her hand with the mist and Bel Air lifts her up for the KOD. And Oscar gouges her in the eyes with the experimental mist from her hand that God knows what it's doing to her hand. And this blinds Bianca and leads to a head kick. And Oscar pins her in 14 minutes and 58 seconds, ending her modern era record raw women's title reign. And, mm-hmm. uh, and now we have Oscar as the raw women's champion on SmackDown. Yes. <laughs> Couldn't even have a raw win win this back. Uh, I thought this was a really goofy finish at at the end. And I've got to say that this match to me was, um, it it did not click for for me. I felt it to be very plotting. And I just, um, it just felt as though it was just sort of going in pace. And it wasn't escalating as the match continued for me. And the the ending to me was just a little bit too, uh, too goofy for me for like what should be a really significant title change and more so felt like a way to, Get this belt on Oscar, which I'm not opposed to. As we talked about in the preview, I'm fine with them uh, flipping this title to freshen things up. But it almost felt this was more about protecting Bianca than it was uh, crowning Oscar as well. But it continues the feud. Well, I, th- I think for somebody like Bianca to lose the championship, it had to be through nefarious means. You know, she's still like being portrayed as like this incredibly dominant baby face. And I think she needed to cheat. And a way for somebody like Oscar to cheat was through some variation of the mist. I didn't mind the finish at all. I thought it was somewhat clever as a way to get get out of the KOD. Um we had the, the mist all over Bel Air's eyes. She's blinded. This referee, mm-hmm. like it was just the whole match was just about like Bianca Belair, uh or I could say Oscar could do no wrong here. There was uh, I mean you should be taking that up with every person who's ever had the referee a mist match. John, you know, because that's if you don't see it, then it, it didn't happen. I I mean, I, I, I thought what hurt this match was just the lack of crowd interaction with it. I don't think it was any fault of the performers. They were trying to build and escalate through their actions. The crowd just wasn't buying it. And so who do you blame? 
I think for me, it's the first of all, the lack of attention that they've really given this story. They, they've really not figured out a way to make this match feel compelling beyond people exchanging miss, dodging miss, miss, maybe dodging miss. Yeah. But I think it's also just a general sort of like um, uh, apathy towards Bianca Belair's championship reign at this point. She has been completely dominant without appropriate opposition to make her feel interesting. We haven't found like that great obstacle for her to actually overcome. She hasn't cut great promos. She hasn't necessarily been given the space to cut great promos. So, I mean, you know, some of the fault is definitely on the production. Some of the fault is definitely on her too. In either case, the, 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 the run has, has run its course. She has achieved the record time to cut it short, give her a big obstacle to overcome. And that's in the form of Oscar. Um, I don't think this takes Bianca Belair out of the title picture at all. Like, I think she's still the best option on SmackDown. She's the lead babyface on SmackDown. So ultimately, this is all still in service of Bianca Belair, in my opinion, winning the championship back. But for with, now, with Becky, with Becky predisposed in a in another feud, <laughs> Bianca is about the only babyface on uh, Bianca. Uh, Becky's Smack. on Raw. Oh my God, I can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't do it. You'll need a chart. Yeah, you'll get there at some point. I no, mean, I Char- Charlotte at this point, I believe is also another baby face, but I I don't, I mean, you could, is she? You, isn't she uh, coming off of Mania? She was, she laughed at Rhea Ripley, right? She smiled after losing to Ripley, right? That was a baby face build for Charlotte. Anyway, they could do Oscar versus Charlotte in the meantime, but ultimately I see a destination being Bianca Belair winning this championship back sometime before Romania or at WrestleMania. With a um, hazmat suit on. <laughs> that's the goggles at least please you should have learned by now um i think oscar needs this boost too you know she's come back here as a sort of murder clown gimmick that i i really feel like they kind of fumbled around wrestlemania um like she's been back since rumble and i don't think they've really taken advantage of like this renewed sort of like aggression and look that that she's had so hopefully this is that i think this is a perfect opportunity much like with um trish you know to attach somebody from nxt to her to help elevate her, to 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 give Oscar a mouthpiece, really as well, you know, build a stable. Didn't around someone somebody. suggest Oscar uh, being paired with Isla Dawn? And, I did. Uh, Kaylee Ray, yeah, oh, like that maybe that's that would be those great. characters meshed together. I think a Blair Davenport would potentially be really great with with Oscar as well. So you know, there's a lot of potential. I hope to see them grow this. Uh, we had Karrion Cross and Scarlett in the crowd, and then Rhea Ripley with Dominic taking on the birthday girl Natalia for the SmackDown Women's Championship that appears on Raw. <laughs> and Dominic distracts Natalia. So Ripley attacks, runs Natalia into the steps. She injures her knee and is hit with the riptide and loses in a minute nine. Did I miss anything? You did not. Nope. Um, <laughs> wow. Th- thanks for the trip, too. I'm glad they got a nice trip out of this. Um, well, this, this was less than even I expected. Well, I you thought com- this would be short. I didn't think it'd be this dominant. Was anyone complaining, John? No. Like, at this point, I was ready to get on to the the, the rest of the other two matches. But, this I mean, was like, <laughs> was this the, like the heavy, like the, the, the widest odds in? Um, of, yeah, of the, it was minus 10,000 for Rhea Ripley. They had to have been the, the longest odds of anything on this card. And no for reason for this match to exist other than, a you know, a, a paper. They could have messed with a lot of people and just given her a, a two day title reign. Then I think you would have uh, had some investigation going on, I would say, you know. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but, but like, um, this match was only... this fixed? Was this rigged? <laughs> <laughs> this match is only here because this pay per view is called Night of Champions. They put zero effort into pushing Natalia as any sort of capable challenger whatsoever. Um, and you know, Rhea Ripley is the type of champion that could maybe use a squash. This is the type of show that could use a quick squash. So why not? Whatever. Happy birthday. 
Byron Saxon interviewed Seth Rollins. He said it's been nearly four years since he's held a championship. He's going to be there on Raw, and he'll be there every single Monday night. It would not surprise me in the least that they do a title match on Monday night to establish mm-hmm. this belt right out of the gate, um, because I, that's the whole characteristic of this title. So I right. would uh, that would not surprise me if they... And you don't even need like a super big challenger. It's just the idea of Rollins defending the title against, you know, open challenge, something like that. And you would assume that this means he's done with his uh, filming obligations. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Brock Lesnar against Cody Rhodes is second from the top and big, big entrances for both men. And Rhodes has his cast on the on the uh, the left arm, which Michael Cole, obviously, this man has been just uh, hate scrolling Uh got off on these critics who have been noting that Cody is right-handed and his left arm is broken and Cole explaining that still is a big handicap that he's dealing with. And we got a, we also got Dr. Cole here uh, alluding to Cody wearing a titanium exos cast. Titanium exo cast. Yeah. Um, I thought Cole did a great job here. Okay. Like he was the one to do the, the heavy lifting and trying to, you know, convey just how severe this injury is. And he really like, you know, gave us some science here talking about um, distal radius fracture in the forearm area. Um, You know, like really just kind of like immersing us into trying to believe in this. I I actually thought that Michael Cole calling Cody Rhodes was a great um, compliment for, like every big baby face, they've got that lead announcer that is sort of, you know, just brings it to another level. And I thought Cole was excellent to the point that to me, it's it somewhat does emphasize that Kevin Patrick is not that guy. Um, oh, yeah. That Michael Cole is not calling this guy's matches on a weekly basis. Well, Cole wasn't this guy, um, you know, like th- three years into his run either. Right. You know, it's it's taken like 20 something years for Cole to get this good. So well, maybe Patrick will get there eventually. We will see. Rhodes evades at the beginning and rolls to the floor, and he's actually running away as Brock chases him and lures him into the ring, but then gets thrown around with belly to bellies, and he's like landing on the arm as he's as he's taking these suplexes. Rhodes then starts using the cast as a weapon with the titanium inside of it, and he drills Lesnar, sending him to the floor. Now, can then- you explain to me, John, why when he lands on his arm, it hurts like hell, but when he uses it to bash his opponent over the head, it only hurts the opponent? Uh, he's he's controlling the weight distribution when he's throwing it, but in the suplex, he has no control over his landing, and he's and he's posting on the arm. Got it. Okay. I, maybe he, he's he's got some sort of control of his distal uh, area. Yeah. I mean, the he's the code man. He know, he's, he's got the distribution in his in his uh, in his veins. He hits a Cody cutter for a two count and then the crossroads, but he hurts his arm while hitting it, then hits a second crossroads and Cole is remarking on Rhodes tolerance for pain. He goes for a third one, but it's stopped as Big Bad Brock applies the Kimura and Graves is screaming for the referee to stop the match. Cody won't quit. And he tries to make the cover from the Kimura position, just like he won at Backlash. Doesn't work this time. Then Brock goes to a mounted Kimura. Great selling here by Cody. At one point, he is digging his fingernails into the back of Brock Lesnar. And he raises his arm is raised. How often do we get the arm raise spot in 2023? And the arm stays up for a big pop. Cole says there's no way out for Cody as the audience cheers him on and he reaches the rope for this loud reaction from the crowd. And I mean, they really sold this for all it was worth. And I thought these two were um, like, they they were, they just had a great rhythm going. And I think that this, whoever came up with the arm idea, I 
think certainly deserves a lot of credit. It added so much to the story of this match. The F5 is countered, and Cody hits another crossroads. More shots from the cast, and then powers onto the sh- onto the shoulders. Uh, Brock powers him up onto his shoulders and hits an F5, but Cody kicks out. He goes back to the Kimura, and this time, Cody goes out when the arm is lifted, and it drops. Nine minutes, 38 seconds. Brock wins, and he won't release the hold as Cole and Graves are screaming for the referee to do something. Cole says, Cody never tapped. He passed out, and that's one of the gutsiest performances I've ever seen. Graves says maybe Cody should have tapped sooner. He could have irreparable damage from his his guts taking over his brains. Um, mm. I thought this match was great. Mm-hmm. A really great classic old school professional wrestling match. Um, I think like you watch a match like this and you have to think like, is Cody the best in ring storyteller in this company? You know, like you like Seth Rollins is, is a spectacular wrestler. Um, but I don't necessarily qualify like his version of, of wrestling as like storytelling, not in this way. Roman is a great sort of like um, cinematic, you know, like a guy who like can create these sort of like talking scenes within a, a, a match, as we'll discuss later on in the main event. But for like old school, pure pro wrestling storytelling, I mean, I think Cody is one of the best examples of it today, uh, maybe completely within this company. It makes him such a perfect fit for Paul of WWE, more so than AEW, because I feel like while he was in AEW, he probably felt a lot of pressure to deliver more spectacle, you know, and doing like crazy stunts and. I don't know, letting himself on fire. And he'd never be able to compete against like a John Moxley or like a Kenny Omega for that style of wrestling. But he's like be- a Southern wrestling baby face here. Oh, yeah. WWE that uses all the little like tricks of the trade and just basic stuff that has genuine like sympathy elicited from your audience yeah he's really in his perfect form right now in this main event and i think it's it's perfect for somebody like apollo beck who i think is very much like that who very much admires that style of wrestling as well so um you know like through that style he was able to take a brock lesnar and create a really compelling story out of it i mean how long was this match under 10 under 10 okay but it was not like spamming finishers you know like it it, it made brock into a different type of wrestler than he usually is so Yeah, and, and they went if you got like your your big sequence of crossroads and f5s but this was ultimately like the arm and the kimura that was the key and i thought that this number one if you are planning coming out of this it would make sense that cody is going to be at least maybe not off tv but not wrestling for a couple of weeks and whether mm-hmm. you bring him back at money in the bank or even longer like we'll see what they do with this arm this broken arm angle and and what it leads to and we'll figure that out on monday um but there's as we mentioned in the preview there's obviously a third match in these two now that they're even but in the interim does brock take a match with seth for a big match at money in the bank and you come back to this at SummerSlam or the next saudi arabia show or somewhere later this year it's certainly another detour for Cody. And to me, this whole summer and fall is about detours for Cody to keep him away from the championship. Same with Roman Reigns, right? You know, how can we delay both the, both Roman and Cody from meeting each other for an entire year? And with Roman, it's putting him into this tag team program with uh, the, the Usos. And with uh, Cody right now, his detour is Brock Lesnar. And you know what? It's it's This detour is pr- proving to be pretty good. Hey, like... I might stay here for a while, you know, like it's, there's a lot of things to do here. So I, I like, I love the idea of Brock versus Rollins, you know, as a, as a money in the bank main event, maybe even a SummerSlam main event, honestly. Um, 
that has a lot of potential. And Cody, of course, can interrupt, and you you built to that rematch that way as well. Do you still like the Hell in a Cell idea for Brock Brock and Cody three? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think for with both of them, it's a match that has, like as I said, I feel Cody doing another Hell in a Cell after last year's one. It means something, and this feud has like earned the ability that it makes it it feels like worthy of doing a big stipulation match uh, at the, at the end of this, mm-hmm. um, unless they want to do like based on this finish, like an I quit match. Um, yeah. With Seth, uh, with, with Cody passing out. How about a fl- flaming tables match? I'm going to talk a bit about under siege at the end of this. Oh, okay. I, I was more so referring to Cody's last. Oh, uh, I thought AEW you were talking match. about under siege. Okay. I do want to talk about that. It was quite an angle. Brock Lesnar and a flaming table match. I probably, unlikely. I'm sure Cody would be fine with that. They previewed the, uh, the women's fatal four way on Monday in Albany for the vacant titles. Omos is in the crowd. Now, this is one guy who's like, okay, so let me get this straight. I have to get on that plane at my size, and I'm flying over there to sit in the crowd and be shown for 10 seconds. Uh, what, what is my payoff? And that will be my Well, answer. I'm sure he had a great dinner with the GEA. I'm, I'm sure they all had their, their, their nice dinners uh, while they were over there. Money in the Bank qualifying matches will take place on Raw and SmackDown beginning this week. And the main event is Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn taking on Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa for the Undisputed Tag Team Championships. It's just Paul Heyman in the corner of the challengers. And Sami Zayn comes out with Owens in a uh, thobe, as I believe it is a... Uh, referred to as you're asking i'm I'm not going to correct you on it but like you know traditional islamic robe yeah he comes out and this guy is the biggest baby face on the show Mm -hmm. and then this is before he even gets on the microphone and he addresses the audience in arabic and my god this was um this was a recreation of montreal for totally um sammy zane like they made this guy feel as though he was the biggest star on a show that had plenty of stars on it sammy zane was number one yeah yeah i mean um i i think in in sort of spirit it 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 was very much like sammy zane sammy zane's homecoming um to the middle east area you know like he was kind of being portrayed as that as like the person highest on the card with maybe the the deepest roots to to um i i guess the, the the dominant religion of the of the territory right um so like let's kind of put that into perspective you know like this guy who hasn't been on these shows for years um all of a sudden like comes in and is the biggest star on the show and not only that like he's pretty much their like kind of home territory baby face from this point on it's it's pretty crazy, this whole ride. Yeah, and it's one that, I mean, they they kind of, obviously, they're not going to get into the specifics, but they were. They didn't mention it at all. Here's the other thing. Like, the commentary did not mention. So, like, you know, that Umrah, um, um, uh, that when, the thing that Ali um, went to, mm-hmm. Sammy was a part of that as well. And th- that was never brought up once. His Syrian heritage uh, has was also not brought up here, and maybe that one you can understand a, a little bit more. But with Ali, they went full bore, like talking about you know what he did in this area. Sami Zayn, they've just kind of like not mentioned at all. Yeah, and it's it's one where li- listen, you can just um, take this in as a really cool moment for Sami Zayn and this crowd that loved him. But let's not like there are so many politics attached to this, mm-hmm. and probably uh, to your point, it's a great pickup on your part the fact the fact that his um, his Syrian heritage was never mentioned on the broadcast, which you would think that that would be connecting the dots for the viewer at home and. As well, like Kevin Owens at the press conference, you've 
you've waited five years for him, but it was like, yeah, because he was not invited here for five years and now he is. It's it's not really you on a WWE broadcast cannot explain it either. Yeah. Um, but it was like treated as yeah, like, yeah, here is this homecoming for Sami Zayn. But this was like obviously, like there is no separating like the the entertainment and politics of this one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a little bit awkward, but I'm I'm extremely happy for it was an incredible scene and the people who who now have like a top like a legitimate top baby face that they could cheer for. Yeah. And I mean, I I did not necessarily see this sort of environment for Mm -hmm. Sami Zayn. And as soon as this bell rung, um, how important does this make Sami Zayn to this company now? I mean, he already was. But now, I mean, not he's not just sort of like that. You're, you know, top baby face in Canada. He's your top baby face in the Middle East. As well. I think it's, um, you know, the fact that he was I, it would be interesting to know, like, what exactly the process was. Like, was this a request by the government for him to be on this show? Was this a can we bring Sammy on this show? Like, what exactly was the correspondence that led to this but if this is one where like sammy is requested to be on these shows then his value is pretty great because the government is the one that are paying for these shows and their requests are the ones that are going to be uh asked of yeah Mm -hmm. so it's it's just a rabid crowd to start this one and i did not think for a second that they were losing the title belts once this bell rang yeah i I went into this show where this was the hardest one to kind of figure out dude when this bell rang i was like there is not a prayer they are beating owens or zane in in this well we would have said that we said that in montreal we said that you know at wrestlemania as well right yeah but the stakes are a little bit different i felt pretty confident at the beginning of this one (laughs) yeah uh dude the first three minutes no one touches they're just milking this crowd they're singing they're chanting they're playing up the crowd three minutes before so, contact is made. So upon entrance, like you couldn't see that clearly, but it, it definitely looked to me like Sammy was wiping tears from his eyes. When he was walking down the entrance, it looked like he was he was yeah. tearing up. Yeah, and they I'm sure it was a pretty emotional uh, moment for him. I'm sure this was up there for him. Cole mentioned uh, his family and friends were here in attendance as well. And they control Zane, and they're beating him down. Just really simple stuff because this crowd was electric. Uh, Solo super kicks Owens off the apron. It was like 10 minutes of getting the heat on Sami Zayn before he finally made the first tag to Kevin Owens, who comes in, and there's a spear that gets blocked by a knee from Owens, and then he lands the stunner, but Reigns bounces off the rope and hits a spear with both men going down from their respective moves. Sokoa then stops a haluva kick, and then Zayn blocks a Samoan spike and then hits the haluva, and Roman Reigns dives in to make the save. Reigns then misses Sami Zayn and spears referee Dan Engler. So Zayn hits his own Superman punch, does the Reigns pose in the corner, but then gets hit with a Superman punch. Owen spears Reigns, so they're stealing Roman's moves and using them on him. And that is when, Way called this one, the Usos appear. They must have been incognito in Saudi Arabia this week. And they attack Kevin Owens on the floor, double super kick. They tip the desk onto him. They super kick Zayn and then... Zayn ducks and a double super kick nails Solo Sokoa. And the Usos are, are stunned that they made this mistake. And Roman Reigns is just staring a hole through these two guys. He confronts them, shoves Jimmy away, and starts yelling at Jay. Pi faces him and yells, get out of my ring. When all of a sudden, boom, Jimmy super kicks Roman Reigns. And Jay is looking at like 
you just shot dad. And Jay cannot believe what he has just seen. And he starts screaming at Jimmy. And Jimmy tells Jay, I'm doing what you should have done a long time ago. And he hits Roman with another super kick and tells Jay, it's you and I now. I'm your brother, not him. And he stops Jay from checking in on the tribal chief. They need to go. We've got to get out of Dodge. And with that, Owens hits a stunner to Sokoa, then a haluva kick. And with the pin, a new referee slides in to count three at 26 minutes and 22 seconds. And Jay is just in shock. Roman is pissed. And the bloodline is disintegrating as Night of Champions comes to an end. And Sami Zayn holds both of his championships over Roman Reigns and a split up bloodline that he was one of the direct causes of. I mean, this is as big of a win for Sami as as he's ever had over not just the the Usos, but now also Roman Reigns as well. Yeah. And they uh, did a twist on the ending I saw here of if it would have been Sokoa taking the pin, that it's almost like Roman seeing Sokoa screwing up. That was not the story here. It was Roman, like it's all the heat is on the Usos for costing yeah. it and nothing on Sokoa coming up short. So yeah. it's still like Sokoa and Roman are attached at the hip and it's the Usos that acted out and screwed up their title win. Mm-hmm. Really great closing. Great scene. storytelling in this yeah. match. It was an entertaining match. Um, I, I'm still going with Cody and Brock as my match of the show, but th- this was a match that, um, for me talking about the length earlier of the, the women's title match, 26 minutes, it did not overstay its welcome for me. I thought that they paced it really well. And I mean, the first half of this match, it's simple, like any other house show Tag that you would have expected, but the crowd was going nuts. They didn't have to do a whole lot. And yep. then the ending, it was all the twists and turns and what was going to happen that, grabs you for these big bloodline matches when they have them and we see a lot of these like every raw and smackdown it feels like we're getting some combination but for the big matches um you know it's still very dramatic and i think this is going to i think smackdown is going to do a very big number on friday with the thousand day celebration which hmm. dovetails into the fallout of this with the bloodline and how i want it's all figured in I want to know what happens because um, Roman dedicated this win to Afa and Sika. Oh, could you imagine and, them showing up and slapping Roman? Well, they were supposed to show up for this, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, what is they it? They were uh, going to be there for one of the, um, was it the, 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 celebration. Raw, the Raw, whatever one celebration th- it was yeah, in whatever. January? Yeah. yeah. And so I'm, I'm assuming, like, I think this perfectly paves the way for Afa and Sika to show up and sh- to show their disappointment in roman reigns and how great would that be you know so uh, th- this 1000 day celebration i think is is going to be pretty big for the next you know like the real cementing of this bloodline breaking up um i love the stuff with the usos i have to be honest i kind of found the content of the match for my taste a little bit dull at this point because um i think I'm I'm expecting a little bit more now. Like, I mean, I've seen Roman have this type of match for so much that I expected something a little bit different in a tag team setting. And it wasn't all that different. It's very much the same style of match. Roman does a lot of talking, a lot of taunting, a lot of delaying. And in this case, he's letting Solo handle much of the physicality. Like, when the stakes are... This will vary on, like, your... And I think most are with the story, but, like, it's very much on like the story aspect like the the work is fine but that's not going to um i think be your litmus test of whether you like this or not it's the type of match where like you know not nothing's really going to happen until you get that sort of big closing scene and the closing scene was really great with the uso so 
it, now we get Roman and Solo versus the Usos. Presumably, um, no titles at stake, no titles needed even. And then Sammy and KO can move on to Judgment Day. Yeah. And do you see that the tag match being the next big match? Do you see like Roman and Jimmy or do you think they go to the tag match first and foremost? After Everything, this? John. You know, they can get through all those. And I hope they pace themselves accordingly. But like big destination that seems immediate is like the tag team match. But um, like, you know, this certainly elevates Jimmy to, to a higher status. You can argue Jay was already there as like somebody who was really kind of put into focus, had that singles run. Jay is very much, you know, kind of in line for that spot right now. So how would you play it? You know, how would you kind of like lay out the next several weeks? Number one contenders match with the Usos against the Wild Samoans. (laughs) Sir. No, I think that the tag match is. um, I I guess the the, the question would be like, you're, you're I like the way they kind of left it with Jay. It's not as though Jay just bought in and was a hundred percent with Jimmy here. Right. It was sort of like, you're my brother and I'm leaving with you, but I do not endorse this, uh, this move. And, and you know, the way that Jimmy put it was like, I'm doing what you should have done a long time ago. I mean, that's the big spot is Jay finally um, breaking his tie with, with Roman. With Jimmy? He's the one oh, that's, with Roman. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, or could he break his tie with, with Jimmy? I think that's I mean, what you're led to be left with. And I think that's going to be like the Roman, like gaslighting character is going to try and get into the head of Jay. Cause he still has his hooks in Jay and he's lost Jimmy. He's lost Sammy. Yeah. He's lost Jimmy. And now he's clinging. He's got solo and Jay is like his, uh, his swing henchman. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I think there's some great story to be told left. I mean, look at this, like we're like a year deep into this whole year plus, you know, into this whole bloodline thing. And they still find interesting ways of combining these guys to tell some really captivating stories. So uh, we'll see how they play it out. And overall, what were your thoughts on uh, what's this show called? Meta Champions. I, I thought, listen, the, the crowd was uh, elevated it a lot. I thought that the last two matches along with the Seth Rollins, AJ Styles matches, those would be the three matches I would recommend on, on the show. So I think mm-hmm. that it was, um, you, you could, you could go like thumbs up. I would, uh, I'm, I'm a tougher grader and maybe this is like uh, somewhere above thumbs in the middle to uh, thumbs up. But I think, I think the crowd is going to put people kind of over the top that this was a pretty, pretty good show overall, but there was a lot of storyline ramifications from this show for sure. Yeah, I thought it was a good show. I thought they managed to um, build people like well, you know, in the case of somebody like an Ali, in the case of like a, uh, integrating somebody like, like a Zoe Stark into a prominent storyline. Um, uh, they springboarded, you know, uh, themselves into like a further bloodline story between the Usos and, and Roman. Um, and yeah, like Cody and Brock is also re- in really good shape. That's a feud that's been elevated coming out of this. Trish and uh, um, um, Becky is a feud that's been elevated coming out of this as well. So I would say uh, in terms of wrestling, in terms of booking, all positive for me. Shall we go to some calls here? Let's bring them on. Yeah, we. Uh, if you're a Post Wrestling Cafe patron or a member at video.postwrestling.com, you can look for the call-in link right now where you guys can have your thoughts tonight. Also tomorrow for Double or Nothing. So watch for those links. And if you're a cafe patron or a video.postwrestling.com member, you can call in and give us your thoughts right after our review. Let's start here with Muggin. Hey, Muggin, welcome to the show. Oh, you're muted, Muggin. Unmute your microphone. Sorry. Let's try, let's try this again. Hey. I acknowledge you, Jimmy Uso. I acknowledge you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
I'm telling you, man, that I'm telling you, I was nervous as hell going into this tag match because, you know, think because the way the, the way the Roman and Solo have been booked so far is, you know, for like ever since, you know, year three began, I was thinking that it was a foregone conclusion that you do, which is going to come to the census and help him out. But I listen, Solo getting super kick was an accident, but Jimmy super kicking Roman was not an accident. Mm-hmm. And man, I'm telling you, first it was Sammy. Then it was Jimmy. I think, then I think the next person to, to to leave to ditch Roman will be Jay. And when that happens, that'll be the end. Man, it was just pro wrestling theater at its finest. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, on top of that, Sami Zayn walking out, walking out in Jeddah with a throw on. Man, I felt seen in that moment. Mm. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, any other thoughts on maybe like that whole aspect of this particular show? Um. With with Sami and with Ali's portrayals. So long racial stereotypes. I mean, I'm I'm so glad that they're not, I'm so glad that you know Sami Zayn and uh, Mustafa Ali aren't being like you know fit into this mold of like you know racial stereotypes. Like we've come a long way since like you know Iron Sheik and so, you know stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, overall, I mean, it was a thumbs up show. Um, the, I mean, a lot of I mean, a lot of interesting directions. You know, going down the card. I mean, Oscar finally becoming champion again gives gives SmackDown's t- SmackDown title scene a new coat of paint. You know, Bianca can finally chase again. And maybe, maybe, I'm hoping to God that Eos guy turns babyface sooner rather than later. Because with Dakota Kai being on the shelf, that's just going to speed up, you mm-hmm. know, the breakup with her and Bailey because they got to get that going. Because I want to see her. Yeah, yeah, Austin Sky is a good direction. They're, they're pretty much like laying the groundwork for that with Bailey and Sky. SummerSlam. That's, that's where I want to see Eos versus Oscar. SummerSlam mm-hmm. should be the place. Cody and Brock definitely was a, it was, a, it was a better match than the one they had in, in uh, Puerto Rico. And I love the I love the finish that Cody passed out instead of t- instead of submitting to Brock because I feel like he has an out now, and, I, and that definitely builds the uh, the need for a third match. And uh, Rollins and Styles was a great it was a great opener, almost on the same level they had in uh, Money in the Bank three or four years ago. And um, Becky and Trish was Becky and Trish was solid, and I, I gotta say, they're using these NXT draftees very well. I mean, Zoe Stark is getting shot to the moon, being in the you know, you know being that's uh, Cameron Grimes. Yeah, well, I know, but I know that, but I'm just, you know, I had to borrow that. Zoe Stark is getting a hell of a rub being being paired up with Trish, and eventually she's going to face Becky Lynch at some point. And so, yeah, I'm definitely very intrigued, you know, over where th- this is going to go with uh, Becky Trish now, now that you have Zoe Stark involved. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, Mustafa Ali and Gunther, it was great. It was good for the time I had. I was hoping it would be a bit longer, but it, but for a ten minute for like a sub ten minute match, it, it did the job and. Ali needs to drop that whole forced uh, positivity thing. Like that, that's not working for me. He mm-hmm. is a he is a natural baby face, and this is an example why. Yeah, it'd be very awkward to see him go right back to that character on Monday. I would think no. that this is your your way out of that. It's and a couple more things about the uh, thousand day celebration. I don't know if you saw Rikishi's Twitter feed. He said something about something. Ha- this has to be done. So I bet he and maybe uh, Offenseeker might show up on SmackDown because I feel like. The way it ended with Sammy on on top and Roman looking up, that shot of him Roman looking up to Sammy, it was just expertly done. Hmm. I gotta say, is it Friday yet? Because this celebration is gonna be musty TV. Man, you're on a high, Muggin. <laughs> I feel good. Thank you, Muggin. Appreciate the call. Thank, Thank you, you guys. Uh, let's go to some super chats. Actually, first of all, here uh, we go to our YouTube. Thank you, everybody who's listening to us live, watching us live at YouTube.com/slash/postwrestling. David Porges. Sends us seventeen ninety shekels. 
Cool. He says, best wishes for Evie, and we appreciate you still watching and doing the show, John. All the best. Very yes. kind of you. Thank you, David. Thank you, John. Uh, JB sends five pounds, and he says, I can't support the way they ended Belair's historic reign like this with no proper build or hype. Seems like a missed opportunity and hot shot booking. I mean, I, I don't think it's been a title reign that's been, you know, had has had a ton of momentum behind it for the, the last month or so. And I think they're I don't think they're doing this as like a punishment for it. I think they're doing it to try and like add some some intrigue to uh, th- this program that they are continuing and using the title as um, a, a prop to get it there and putting Belair in the position of chasing rather than holding the title. I, I wouldn't get so wrapped up in like who holds the title. It's like where your best utilizing like drama in the story and i think it's been very low for this bel-air oscar program for whatever reason um it's it was not dynamite going into wrestlemania and it was not that great going into this one so uh maybe flipping this around it it uh rejuvenates that division that's been sort of just on autopilot yeah um i'm trying to think of like ways that they could have made this more i don't know um ceremonious and, and feel like a bigger deal and i can't think of any way other than to have like a stronger opponent a stronger like you know challenger to bel-air and they've struggled to find that they really have you know they 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 didn't hit that hit that mark with with alexa uh oscar the first time around was just kind of there as well um you know who who are we talking about eo sky was strong but only because puerto rico was was all there for her that that build certainly wasn't strong and this second build with oscar was maybe even weaker than the first one mm-hmm. um so how much of it is maybe just kind of like uh, the the level that the roster is at right now in comparison to Bel Air? How much of it is Bel Air? How much is the writing that's been given to Bel Air? At this point, like crowds, I think are already like turning on Bel Air. You don't want to wait till the point where like they're starting to actively boo Bel Air before you do something like this. Because right now, you could still salvage Bel Air as a babyface chasing rather than just you know having somebody to you know turn heel. I I I think it, it's just sort of like a rain that has kind of like at this point kind of outlived its welcome it would have been great if tonight was a hotter crowd for it um but it's a good direction it's a good direction for bel-air you know ultimately okay um let's go to some other calls hansi hey hansi welcome yo what's going on can you hear me hey what's up yes i was good i know i was gonna say yeah no uh same uh sentiments like as always when i uh watch these shows but like at the same time then i just i mean sometimes i I understand this horrible shit happening but then at the same time like i'm also consuming other stuff that like has government propaganda and i i totally consume that so then it's like i i find myself like you know going in this debate with my you know the voices in my head and stuff like that so i try to enjoy it for what it is even though like like, i'm not like saying oh my god this is such great change to this to, to this country because of WWE or, or whatever, but I mean I feel the same sentiments that you guys were talking. But I left that you guys like at least bring the conversation up whenever these happen or whatever. Um, I'll say about about the show like the like the the main thing about uh, Seth Rollins is that I don't mind that there's going to be like a quote unquote workhorse uh, uh, champion, but the thing is is like if it, it, it it'll tell me how different this title reign will be. Uh, uh, compared to like when he first won the WWE title, like I don't want to see him constantly lose non-title matches, and that's how you build. Because that's when the the title ma- it becomes meaningless to me. Because that's that's the one thing about as much as people want to complain about Roman Reigns being champion, at least I'm not seeing him constantly on te- television. Like you know, the build, only build that WWE know how to do when you have have some, someone there weekly is have non-title like wins, and I think that that's so weak. And I just think that. 
if, if you're gonna make this a workhorse champion, I'd rather be booked strong rather than go like those like you know like like for example, if you have Gunther eventually go for Seth Rollins, if you don't let Seth Rollins lose a non-title match in a tag team match or something like that, you can have Gunther just destroy Seth Rollins, and then you go, oh wow, he finally lost a non-title match. Now I w- I want to see Gunther really do- like you know I mean you can make them stand down. Not, not that you can't do it. I just don't want to see the title reign just become that. First, that's first, and then um as far as the bloodline storyline goes. Uh, you know, listen. Uh, you know, um, a lot, a lot of the matches that I was into were probably uh, the character work and like you know being invested into the characters. And I know that sometimes like it, it can get a little bit boring. I guess because I, I grew up in the '80s and early '90s where I had to wait for these moments. Not every single week was like hot off the presses and all that. And I and I understand that for people that grew up in the Attitude Era, that's gonna be like you know like they need constant things to happen. But when they like have a storyline that I'm really invested into, and they pick and choose when they're gonna like execute the big parts, like these really really stand out. And I feel like this whole storyline, after it's said and done, like this is gonna be building a lot of a lot of legacy. Not between like the bloodline, between uh, you know the Samoan dynasty, uh, Sammy and KO, and the tag titles and all that kind of stuff. I think everything from the storyline has kind of been elevated. It has layers to it. And the and when Jay Uso finally snaps, like I think that's gonna be the big, like the big, the the, the real, real big moment. And I, I can't, I can't wait for that. But I, I love this. It's probably my favorite match over the Cody and Brock. But I like Cody and Brock too, by the way. And before I go, um, do you, again, I know Triple H can't like do anything physical, or whatever, right? But do you guys think that with him being introduced, because we keep assuming that Heyman's the guy who's behind Brock, I'm starting to think now maybe Triple H is like maybe someone that would be an advocate for Brock because Brock would need, like, I'm not saying he needs Triple H, but I'm just saying that like, it just feels a little bit odd that Triple H just made his like return. You know, they could have without Triple H. So I'm, I'm getting up guys thoughts. Do you guys think that's possible that Triple H is the one that's actually responsible for targeting Cody? And I'll leave you at that. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Peace out. Hmm. So it's, it's, I mean, anything is possible. Vince McMahon mm. was the higher power, right? But, um, I'm, to I, what end, though? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, yeah. I, I really don't think at this. It, it's one thing when we talk about like some of these performers that have like magically been cleared over the years, but this is a guy that is like a high-ranking executive in your company that I really don't believe is doing another match. And at that point, it's like to, to what end is is having this guy as an obstacle for for Cody? When it, like if you could do that match, I'd be all for it. Like that would be a match I think people would genuinely be intrigued to see but i I don't see that being a a conclusion so like why just to make this guy a a heel manager um i don't know all right thank you hansi appreciate the call let's go to brandon from new jersey hey is that where he's from what's up guys can you hear me yes we can is john in the background (laughs) what's going on when we going to calumet by the way let's go guys let's get a Get a pod too. <laughs> we'll, drive, we'll drive from Vaughn. Pick you up. I'll bring some treats. Come on, it'll be fun, right? Sure. Maybe we'll meet in Acton. Coquitos? Cookie. Hey, man. You, I, I might have to surprise you when I come out there for uh, Forbidden Poor and Forbidden Door, man. I don't know if you can get that stuff on the plane, but or you're driving. I'm driving, man. I'm okay. excited, man. I love a good road wow. trip. So, have we decided that uh, you're. You are officially going to review Dana White and Adam Sandler, who are teaming up to develop a new UFC comedy. <laughs> when it comes, we can we can watch we can do a watch along of that. 
What? <laughs> you didn't hear about that way? Yeah, no, to do not. it. Yeah, what uh, Adam Sandler and Dana wanna, are pitching a, a comedy about the a UFC. UFC comedy, as it was described, office style UFC comedy show. Yeah, they're gonna pull out those SEC filings and they're gonna go over the fighter pay percentage, <laughs> and Dana's gonna laugh uproariously. I just don't know how any of like these three things might go together. Okay, office, UFC, <laughs> and comedy. How? What's what's this mean? I, 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 I'm sure when it all comes together, the magic will happen. Because, I mean, like every Adam Sandler movie, uh, uh, they always figure it out in the end. Or, or, am I right or am I right? You are right. Yeah, you are. And then maybe we can get a, John. Maybe, maybe it'll be a playoff of Click. <laughs> we can get John to grow his hair out and do, go to that uh, junket and interview uh, the, the cast of said uh, Dana White TV show or whatever movie. <laughs> Like he did that. Uh, what was that movie uh, that you did? Grown Ups. How did how did you know I went and interviewed the people from Grown Ups? <laughs> John Cena sent me the the videos. I was like, wow, John John had a great head of hair, man. <laughs> what what are you up to on a Saturday night where there's no wrestling, there's no MMA? Are you watching the NBA tonight? What are you watching, Brandon? Uh, I'm just hanging out, man. It's it's a long week. Uh, I mean, the long weekend. I mean, you guys had it last weekend at, for Victoria Day. I mean. Uh, shout out Vic- Vickies, all Vickies across the the, the both continents, uh, or Lisa one Murray continent. Or, yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm just hanging out, uh, going to a barbecue tomorrow. And Simon uh, is Simon going to be at the barbecue? Uh, yeah, Simon's going to be there. Uh, Roman's going to be flipping burgers. My dad's going to be telling jokes. It's it's, it's going to be a whole vibe, man. Whole I vibe. Love it. Love it. Uh, I got a couple questions to ask you. I mean, got uh, the wrestling aside. I, I love the Brock match. Uh, uh, I mean, you, uh, you know, Brock, he's a wild game hunter. Uh, wouldn't it be funny if uh, they did like a a, a, a a vignette of Brock at his house after the match on Raw and you see Cody's arm hanging next to a lion's head or a zebra or whatever wild game he hunted? No. <laughs> oh, man. Tony, Tony Storm's already claimed that angle. She, she's I know, be man. Ripping that, that an was arm I was I was watching Rampage and she was that on Rampage or was that on Dino? Do you want to give us a quick review of uh, Rampage this week, <laughs> Brandon? I th- Jeff Hardy was in the ring wearing his uh, dad jeans and uh, apparently they have a match on the on the the buy-in the buy-in for uh, for uh, somebody's contract. <laughs> Ethan Page's contract is on the line, and they That's have right. replaced Brother Zay with Hook. <laughs> Brother Zay couldn't talk. I thought, you know, you know what would have been a good touch if Brother Zay had the had the trachea thing that Kane used to have and, and talked through that. <laughs> okay, that that would moan through the voice box. With, with yeah. The yeah, they yeah, should have. They should do that that angle with with Max Caster. <laughs> That's the evolution of that that wow, character. Wow, through a voice box. Well, uh, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I, I was hoping for more from this review. Um, oh, I, I, I thought the Brock match was great. He was an animal. Uh, I love what the. the... I, I met your rampage review. But oh, we're sure. still on rampage. Me... <laughs> what else what? happened already? <laughs> rampage. Um, Nia Jax was in a great tag match. Uh, Nyla cool. Rose. I mean, Nyla Rose. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'm you're, sorry. You're not, you're, you're, we, I'm we were going to give you the rampage review every week, but yeah, you just blew it. So, that, 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 so much for that one. Hey, hey, rampage is becoming thunder, though. Uh, what do you think about that? Um. Oh, it's not as bad as Thunder back in the day. 
but it's <laughs> it's probably has the same level of uh, consistency of people's following it as as Thunder at this point. Have you did you watch Thunder uh, when you were on the the law? Um, Thunder was uh, was done by the time I was on the law, <laughs> but we did get Thunder here in Canada. I got the high sign though. Wait, uh, oh, uh, one more thing, John. Dallas is on Amazon Prime. If you guys ever want to watch the series of Dallas, I mean, I can I can give you my login information. And if you want to use, if you want to watch it in the states, way tell us how. Maybe that should be our next watch along, Brandon. Yeah, you can, sign, t- <laughs> you can sign up for Amazon Prime um, with your regular internet. Because and, and what, and what VPN do we use, way? Well, you wouldn't need a VPN <laughs> for that. All right, guys. <laughs> Good night, guys. Good night, Brandon. And they're not sponsoring tonight's show. They're sponsoring tomorrow. So yeah, yeah, they got to pay to get the the love. I will. I'll send. I'll send a a super chat for you to pitch that commercial. All right, you're too too kind. Okay, all right, thank you, Brandon from New Jersey. Okay, all right. Uh, Let's go to one piece of feedback here from forum.postwrestling.com, and that's from this week's guest on the wellness policy, Chris Duke. Chris from Scotland says. It's 9.20 p.m. and a WWE PLE is over, and I still have the rest of my Sunday, Saturday night to go. Tonight and next month's Money in the Bank and SmackDown being broadcast live here in the, in the U.K. for the first time, I feel like we're being spoiled. I really enjoyed the show. I don't think we expected any less from Seth and AJ, and they delivered a beautiful match. I was surprised to see the title change between Asuka and Bianca, but story-wise, it made sense and will hopefully give Bianca a chance to get her mojo back. Brick and Cody. Brick, Brick Lesnar. Brick and Cody was a hard. I'm going to talk about some bricks in a moment when I get to this uh, this impact review. Okay, and that told an amazing story. I feel that Cody might actually finally be the one to bring down the beast if he ever finishes that story. Speaking of stories, Sammy and Kev versus Roman and Solo did just that. Excellent story told throughout, and those super kicks from the Usos really cemented a great tale. The fact that we saw Roman be vulnerable to help push this story forward. All right, right. thank you, Chris. Well, I'm not going to go through all of Under Siege. I just want to talk about the main event because this was uh, an unbelievably violent match that I watched this morning. So this is um, this is getting you ready for Anarchy in the Arena too. So this was Steve Macklin defending the Impact Championship that he won at Rebellion in April, defending against PCO in the hardcore hotbed of London, Ontario. And this match featured some of the most insane ideas for a weapons match in front of a crowd that I think at this point, me and John Cena, we always talk about the, the crowd heat at some of these impact shows. And it's not a case of it's, it's like, it's 50 people. It's, it's several hundred and it's a healthy enough crowd. And I've heard plenty of multi hundred numbered crowds that sound uh, lively. And this crowd, like you could hear that they were making noise. I think it honestly is a way in which they mic the audience um, that, sometimes uh deters here but nonetheless this was a match that saw steve macklin go for a suicide dive early on and he goes into a cookie sheet shot your favorite way uh weapon of choice and dude this guy's bleeding a faucet minutes into this match it was grotesque it's just flowing out of his forehead and this guy like if you saw any of the photos later like it was, he was covered. His face was utterly covered in blood. And he worked the match with this blood just seeping out of this wound. So they continue and it's coming up with all these insane spots, which included Macklin getting a staple gun and stapling PCO's mouth shut with multiple staples. 
and then PCO grabbing pliers to pull the staples from his lips that had been stapled shut. That led to Tom Hannafan yelling, oh my God, this is disgusting. So then Macklin, after getting a sledgehammer, brought out slabs of concrete. Now, one of these things of concrete just gets doused in blood because he was leaning over to pick this thing up from underneath the ring. He places it and breaks these slabs of concrete over PCO's back. And then uh, PCO kicks out from that, duh. And then Macklin whips a chair at his head. And from there, cinder blocks are brought out, uh, which these two are both bleeding at this point after the chair shot to PCO. And PCO lines up the cinder blocks like, uh, like they were standing in order and places Macklin on top of the cinder blocks. But PCO is thrown off the top onto the cinder blocks, which then Macklin hits his KIA onto the cinder blocks and wins the match in 15 minutes and 35 seconds. So at that point, that's, that's what you do at nine in the morning way. That's, that's how you wake up. But then the fun didn't end there because the stipulation here was that if Steve Macklin won, Scott Demore would have to come out and put the belt around his waist and shake his hand. So Macklin demands that Scott Demore come out and they have been uh, at odds since uh, the idea here is that Scott Demore does not want this guy to be his champion. And Macklin is trying to um, push all of Scott Demore's buttons. So Demore comes out, he puts the belt around his waist. This dude, again, has probably lost a pint of blood by this point and is wearing it on his face. But then he puts his hand out. Steve Macklin refuses and he leaves. So Scott Demore is left there in the ring with his hand out when Bully Ray makes his return after many weeks off and he is behind and starts choking Scott Demore out with a cable. And he goes to Macklin and says, get the table. They set up a table. They're working together and Bully Ray brings out lighter fluid. And this sends Matthew Raywalt from commentary to run into the ring to try and stop them. But he gets struck down. They douse him with lighter fluid. And then PCO returns. He gets beaten down. The Motor City machine guns get beaten down. And they light the table on fire and put Scott Demore through the flaming table to end this under siege card in London, Ontario. And Bully says, I am forever and I'm taking Scott and this entire company down as he raises the arm of Steve Macklin. So they have been certainly hinting in the direction of Scott Demore doing a match, and whether it is a match with Bully Ray, a match with Steve Macklin, or some kind of uh, multi-person match where he has some backup, it certainly feels that this is leading to a, a Scott Demore match. And with Slammiversary in Windsor, you could see this uh, timing out for July. But, th- dude, this was... An insanely violent match, followed by a pretty insane angle at, at the end as well. Like it was uh, pretty stunning on uh, impact. Of uh, this was a pretty, pretty violent spectacle uh, to watch, but a big angle that they did to end off under siege. And then they're back with um, their next special on June 9th, and they set up Alex Shelley as the next contender uh, for Steve Macklin. So that was under siege. Mm-hmm. Will it be the most violent match this weekend? No, it probably won't. We're probably going to see this topped on Sunday night. Be my my guess, but a lot of violence. If that if that is the the bar being set this weekend, they 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 have some work to achieve on Sunday night to surpass what I saw this morning. But there's a whole report on Under Siege up on the site, courtesy of John Ceno, and that will bring an end to our night of champions review. So way, thank you. Uh, first of all, for being very flexible and uh, moving your night around to accommodate me. So uh, thank you. 
thank you for doing the show at all. Well, couldn't I have am, been uh, easy. I am tapped out at this point, but we are going to do it all again tomorrow night after double or nothing. So as soon as the pay-per-view ends, we will be up and live. We will go through the pay-per-view and uh, time permitting, uh, we will, we're hoping uh, to hear from Brandon Thurston as well, who will be attending the press conference in Las Vegas and a special programming note that WrestleNomics will be coming out on Monday uh, with Brandon in Las Vegas. So double or nothing review on Sunday. And then you're going to get an NXT battleground show with Brayden and Davey on Monday, WrestleNomics and way. And I will be up Monday night with rewind a raw because it never ends. Never, ever, ever. And we'll be here to talk about almost all of it. So thank you guys for listening. Stay tuned to Post Wrestling.